0: Well, cool. we're alive, we're kicking, and on today's episode, I have my man Alex Gribbin, former Royal Marine Commando and now men's mental health coach. Thanks very much for coming on, mate. How are you doing?
1: Absolutely no worries, it's my pleasure. Obviously, both of us, then we're just making jokes that we're both um, we're both not as great with technology, but we also are both online coaches. It's really funny, which fills me <laughs> I, I, I tell you, what, I, I am I am really fucking good, mate. Do you mind if I swear? I, it's one of them things, in it? All bootlegs yeah, to yeah. it.
0: You're to in the podcast. <laughs> I'll,
1: I'll imagine. imagine. Probably, probably used to your swear. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, mate. I, I am actually, to be honest with you, and I was saying this to someone the other day, in probably one of the best places I've been in a very long time. Um, we'll kind of come onto that in a minute, I suppose, in terms of like reasons why. But you know, I went through therapy very recently, and that that's been really, 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 really good um but generally mate yeah yeah really good really good how about you man how are you just in
0: general we're sort of catching up a bit. i'm brilliant mate obviously we've just got over that that tech difficulty but <laughs> yeah as i've been doing these podcasts mate i've been doing them in a podcast studio so when it comes to doing them on zoom this is my very first one so happy days so-
1: we'll definitely try and <laughs> get to the show at some point that'd be really cool <laughs>
0: So where I like to start with the podcast, mate, the Live and Kitting podcast with each guest is I like to take it away back to the very start of the journey, where you grew up and how it all started for you, mate.
1: Nice, man. So I've done this a few times in different podcasts and I'll try and give some of the key points because it's quite a long story, obviously, like 28-odd years of my life, but I mean, the first time... I ever remember like any form of like really stuff that was going on in the gym or anything in in, in general sort of like areas it was like when I was very, very young, probably like 13, 14, you know, I was quite into rugby prior to that, up to those years and, you know, enjoyed that sort of like um, competitive element and the more robust element was never really into like football or anything. And um, yeah, then kind of I stumbled across the gym because one of my mates actually um, had a membership and he was sort of prepping for the RAF. Um, you know some good jokes there I'm sort <laughs> to, but like um, yeah he was prepping for the RAF as a, as a, as a gunner and um, sort of introduced me to the idea of that and then Whitney Leisure Centre is um, where I sort of first ever went and picked up any form of dumbbells or anything and and that kind of kicked me off in in terms of like the physical challenge and I think when I look back now like one of the biggest reasons for me and I actually remember saying this is like I'm quite, I'm, I'm really heavy. dyslexic, really heavily dyslexic, like lad, um, you know, I, I still am now, I, pro- I will always be like, it's, you know, just something that's inherent. Um, so is my dad. And I think one thing that physical exercise gave me and in getting into a gym where you could, you know, lift dumbbells, or you could do stuff that was physical, is the ability to go up against other people and it be a level playing field. You know, in school, I, I wasn't getting a stars and I wasn't getting you know, high level in my GCSEs or A levels or any of that stuff but when I was in the gym I could actually put myself through something and, and I managed it really so I kind of suppose that's where it sort of started for me is is um you know in there really in in the early days of there
0: um yeah
1: Shall I should I just keep going or do you want me to oh, sort I, of
0: I was going to ask you there you've you've mentioned about your dyslexia did that ever hold you back when you were younger I think when I was a lot younger
1: definitely mate like um, so when I first was in sort of primary school I used to get taken out of school quite a lot Um, you know in secondary school I had like extra tuition sessions so I'd go and you know like sit in a classroom with someone else and you know when you're a kid anything that's different is automatically going to get some form of bullying you know associated with it Um, I wouldn't necessarily say I was you know really incredibly bullied because as I say like when I first started going to the gym at like 13 I was quite a big like you know like teenager, um it just didn't happen um <laughs> because because it would you know you're like oh it probably wouldn't probably probably won't annoy him so just punch <laughs> <it."> anyway <laughs> um Did yeah I suppose, yeah yeah I think for me like the way it would hold me back is like I just kind of I I I really suffered with low self-confidence and I really suffered with like constantly being told like you know it wasn't necessarily properly spoken out but people sort of saying stuff like or you know maybe not try that you know or maybe that's not for you or or I don't know if you don't get the academics that you need then maybe that won't be the progression you know and especially when you can see other people who are getting A stars or they're getting you know their A levels are going to sixth form and then they're going off to university or they're doing all these other things you know very often people look at this whole situation as like oh you know I probably wouldn't aim too high um so I would say it held me back in terms of that initially i thought it was going to be something that i really struggle with and you know it's going to be a, a you know pain in the ass um i, I wore big john yelling glass john john Ye- john lennon yellow glasses as well yeah. so i, I definitely look like a little you know i don't know what you'd call it really but um yeah so i'd say it sort of held me back in terms of self-confidence definitely as a younger child and that kind of inspired like you know i'm sure we're going to touch upon this in a minute in terms of the roots of wanting to take the challenge of joining the Royal Marines um yeah. because it kind of for me was a bit of a way of being like and we've talked about this you know with your, your journey shoe i know it's massive in terms of when you joined the military um it was a bit of a fuck you to a few people in terms of like you know you're going to say that i can't do anything in my life and it's like well watch this um yeah that kind of i
0: suppose that transitions on that part really but um go on go on make one uh, and how did that process start for you then, mate, joining the Marines? Is there MDA in your family who was military orientated? Why did you choose the Marines over the, the RAF or the Navy?
1: It's a funny one, and it is, it is quite a good <laughs> one, and I'm sure you'll definitely appreciate this and you'll you'll relate to this scenario. So um, I basically went down to... In fact, right, I've talked about this quite openly on a of podcast, so I can talk about it quite openly now, but like, I've been arrested like three or four times in my life, for various different reasons, basically, like you've mentioned already, I was quite wound up as a child. And, you know, I, I was quite aggressive in certain ways. And basically, in short, it ended up me uh, having quite a heavy argument with my parents, smashing quite a lot of the house up, being arrested, taken out of the police car and sat in a you know, prison cell for you know 24 hours to calm down a bit, basically. And I think the reality of the situation when I first left secondary school is I, my mum and dad really, you know, when I look back at it now, couldn't handle it not necessarily couldn't handle they weren't i wasn't in the right position you know i was a, i was a handful of a child you know realistically to be sat around and you know frustrated and angry and, and just not really sure where my life was going and in the end they sort of made i wouldn't say they made the decision they gave me the opportunity it wasn't they made the decision you know it was a choice i did have a choice of um sending me to a military prep college which is basically because i looked at going to the army you know like everyone does don't you when you first go and want to join the military you kind of don't really know what it's about you're like oh I'll join this one I'll join that one so I didn't really know I looked into a Whitney college and it wasn't that great like the um the guy that we spoke to initially was just a bit pompous I think he was like an army major or something like yeah. I don't want I don't want to you know put any stereotypes but the boat was fast but <laughs> like, my mum and dad were like I don't think it'll get on well with him Because it just didn't it just it just we didn't so anyway we went to Bicton College and um went and visited there and a a guy who ran it was called Major Di Phillips and he basically is the I think to be honest with you mate like probably one of the most nails blokes I've ever met like he had he's got massive hands he's about six foot four Welsh skinhead um but with that kind of like gray little patches um and generally mate you look at him and think fucking hell anyway he he sort of was the guy around the course. And um, obviously, for two years, I was then kind of mentored or, you know, um, I, I saw so you board, so you live there. Um, mm-hmm. And it is, you know, you live out of home and, and was sort of, you know, I wouldn't say brought up by him, but kind of went for that process of, you know, you know from 17 to 19 being introduced oh. to him. And, um, yeah, that was kind of what started the process really, well, I say started, that's what fundamentally nailed it in. Because he kind of saw something in me that maybe no one else had he was like right you've got this big ball of energy you've got this lad who's quite big he's not thick he's just not exactly the most intelligent academic person alive um but I'm sure if you can apply it to something it's going to work so for two years you know you did room inspections you did map reading you did orientation you did um you know you went down and did it used to be PRMC and there used to be a thing that was called look at life I don't know if you remember that
0: I can remember look at life
1: yeah yeah. And we, you'd, you'd go down, we did like four or five, look at life. So they were trying to prep you to, you know, want to join. And the big thing that he wanted is obviously anyone who came and was relatively fit, he was trying to get them to join the Marines just because of course he was like, you know, it, it's, it's his <laughs> bag. And so um, I kind of initially was like, oh, maybe I'll join the army as a PTI. And then he was like, look, I think you've got, you know, the ability to go and do this. I think it makes sense to at least give it a try. Um, Went down and did my um what do you call it the psychometric tests. Um I actually failed the first one, mate. <laughs> um, just okay. because like as I to say, academics have never been my strong point. Um, mm-hmm. passed the second one, which was fine. Obviously, I had like a delay, but that's all right, you know. So I went down and did that um in the first year of college. So I said, it was a two-year college course. Um, and then the second year went I did the PRMC, PGFT, all the physical sides, did the medical, and then at the end of the college course, just went straight into the core. Um, and that's kind of what really pushed me into wanting to do it as I, as I say when I was younger I was quite a lot to handle as a kid um, you know I've done as I said like um, I, I said at the start of this dinner I've gone through therapy recently and like um, a big thing that actually you know what I realized looking at some of the stuff that me and James Elliott have talked about in terms of those sessions is like I was brought up by quite a lot of women so mm-hmm. my grandma my mum my sisters um, were the main sort of people who were around me yeah. and my dad you know it's not his fantastic best best father ever, right? And he's amazing. still married to my mum, great, great guy. But the reality of the situation is he was a a Formula One mechanic and um very you know very, very highly skilled, amazing story that he's actually gone through over that thirty five year period to get to the position he was in. Mm-hmm. he's retired now. but um he just wasn't there very much. And it's not that he wasn't there for me. He was there for me. He just wasn't actually physically there. So you imagine a young lad not really sure of himself, ball of energy. You know, wanting to sort of, you know, not, not you know, it's like teenagers are with five women that are trying to understand him. It just doesn't work, does it? Um, I
0: think, I think I, for the mate, go 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 I don't know. I, I think that's one of the issues in it in society today with men is that having the masculine role model there to teach you how to be a man and do that yeah. things. Yeah. And which, and, which I've just highlighted there. Also I want to take you back a wee bit because you jumped oh, along. Just with something you mentioned, I was on a podcast last week. I'll give give them a wee wee plug, Paul talk, for anybody that wants to see it. It'll be next week. He asked me a question, mate. Do you think that what you're saying, your situation, that they should bring national service back to this country? And would it be beneficial? Do Do you know what I
1: think they should do? Do you know what I think they should do? They should have a higher option... Of the availability to, I tell you what they should do. Right, you know what? You know, university now is seen upon something that's just you just go and do, right? And it's funded by the government. Okay, so university is funded. Realistic, let's be honest. Like that bank loan that you take out is not really a bank loan because you're never going to fucking pay it unless you get a higher job. <laughs> or it's something that's made available and it, and attributed to the borrowing power against that that education. I think they should have an option where you can go and do a two year military prep process that's paid for by the government but also gets you a degree by the end of it and not necessarily national service but it should be like this you know where, where the boarding school that we were at mate you literally did room inspections at seven in the morning stood outside your room um you, you marched everywhere like it was like being in the core a little bit really and i think like you said mate like what that did straight away
0: mate i remember the
1: first conversation i had with die was like so no bullshit at all like the most like You know, I remember being like, they were like, oh, he's a bit worried about this, a bit worried about that. And he was like, yeah, that ain't fucking happening here. (laughs) And you're like, oh, okay, like, okay, like, this is is how this is going to, you know, go down. And like, I mean, not to be too blunt about it, but the bloke, like, had been to Northern Ireland. He'd been to a lot of places. You know, he's not someone who's going to be shy of, you know, telling it how it is. Because the reality is, you know, you've seen dead people. That's how it works, does not it? But anyway, I I think when it comes back to that question, I would say they should have an option for people that is not necessarily national service, but it's also run in concurrent to university course that's funded in the same way that actually gives people a le- level of discipline, structure, routines. And I think the biggest thing, mate, and I'll be honest, is, is a channel. Like, um you know, we're going to come on, I know we'll talk about this in a minute, but um an availability for like men and women, especially blokes nowadays, I think, to have something that you're actually aiming for and you're putting your energy into. um. Like because it's so easy, mate, to if you haven't got a physical thing that you're aiming for, or even just something that's a project or a, a process that you're you're pushing towards, the energy doesn't just fuck off, it goes somewhere else. Yeah. So normally what you see is it, it rises its head in negative ways. You know, when you see these people that anytime someone cuts them off in traffic, they fucking go ballistic yeah. or um being mate. <laughs> like anytime that you know anything goes slightly wrong they're so wound up and stressed and frustrated and angry that they they, they blot out at something or like um another thing is it's it's implode as well so when you haven't got an outlet or you haven't got something that you're aiming for or something you're pursuing or something you're in the structure of and disciplined at, especially as a young lad and this can then affect the next 20 30 40 years of your life it 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 then you know can go self-implode and you know what i mean by that is that if you haven't got the energy that's going into something positive, it could go into something like smoking, taking drugs. You know, we, we I know your story definitely, Stu, you've opened up a lot, you know, in, with our guys. And it's really easy for that to happen, isn't it? And I think that what the military does itself is give you purpose, structure, routine, and an outlet really aggressively, really quickly. Um, and even just the standards and the routines that you have to live by, that itself, you know, is, is a massive thing that I think a lot of people would benefit from, even though they look at it as if it's a negative um,
0: but I would say that would be my answer. It's quite a political answer, but I hope that Honestly, I think you've just absolutely nailed it in the head because it described why I joined the Marines and why I joined yeah. the military was for all the things, discipline, purpose, a platform to rebuild my life, and a focus, mate. So, yeah, you absolutely nailed it. I say to him that it would be beneficial, but the likelihood, nobody would turn up for
1: it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. I think that the problem would be in, like, if you if you want to do, you know, you have to want that, don't you? The yeah, Marines, that's, it's that's, like, especially that, the Marines.
0: That, that, uh, that's exactly it, that, mate. And I think that leads in quite well to you joining the Marines and your recruit yeah. training. How was that?
1: Oh, mate, it was fucking horrible. Like, for me, I, 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 <laughs> when, like, when, I when, turned
0: up. When, when did you join, mate? Did you, I joined
1: 2014, um, September 2014, uh, I can't remember the exact date off the top of my head, I think around the 14th or something off the top of my head, mm-hmm. um, so literally now it would have been by five, so I was in for five years, so pretty much when you work it out, so 2014 to 2015, 15, 16, 16, 17, 17, to 18, 18 to 19, and then left yeah. um, back end of 2019, but yeah, there's was literally, it's like, I think it's been, has it been eight years? Yeah, it's been no fuck me longer than that. Is it no, it's nine years. Is it nine years? Shit. Yes, yeah, so it's been nine years since I since I joined. Um that's crazy, mate. Actually, I've got lads that I know that are still in and they're coming <laughs> to our 10 year mark or whatever, and then they're getting a half pension. So I think like, fucking hell. Like, right. you've been in a lot, of- that's mad. Um can you remember your right? can you remember your first day getting off the train at Limpstein Commando? Yeah, I definitely <laughs> can, mate, because what happened, right? Is I fucking hate connecting like right. So basically long story short i um did my application process from exmouth okay so exmouth is anyone doesn't know is what exeter actually the exeter afco um that is literally exeter and glimston so ctc are right next to each other right so when they look at where you're coming from it will say from where you've done the afco so it said that i was coming from exeter so the train is 20 like not even 20 minutes like from Exmouth to limston is, is a 10 minute train journey right so what happened which was so fucking annoying is it said that i was coming from there but i wasn't coming from there i was coming from oxford and what basically happened is i set off and i had to be there by off the to of my head like, let's say it was like one o'clock i can't remember exactly what time um and the connection that i had to get was five minutes in between from You know, I think it was like like Oxford to Reading, Reading to Exmouth, or you know, down towards where CTC's train station is. And um, I missed the connection because the train was late to come in, so it meant that I had to wait an hour before getting on the one from Reading to Exeter. So when I got there, um, all the introductions had already been done; they'd skipped over everything. And I remember literally getting my suitcase, having to pick it up, and me and I I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but the DL, the uh, the corporal, fucking hell. No, I do Corporal Kelly, Peter Kelly, because he actually I've actually found him on Instagram and dropped him a message the other day because he runs a uh, an employment company. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm going to try and do some work with him inside our mentorship. But like, um, he came to the front and he was like, he was like, had not you, haven't you just come from Exmouth? Like, how are you late?" <laughs> um, and you know, you're there like this fucking nineteen year old lad, like, yourself.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: like, I've come from Oxford, I've come from Oxford. They're like, what? Like, okay, right, come with me. And literally just fucking picked up his cane and legged it. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, because obviously he was trying to get there before they're tested. Um, yeah. yeah, so I remember. And then the colour sergeant was fucking, was it colour sergeant Fradley? No, it wouldn't have been. That's, um, oh, fucking hell. Who was the bloke who's the massive South African colour sergeant? Um, I can't remember. He was, He's oh, in that oh, program. Oh, was, <laughs> I don't know. So many like Fucking thousands of like, um. Yeah, he was there, his massive lad, he's like, how you it? just come from fucking so and so? And he was like, he, I was like, No, no, I've come from what's it come So like, obviously there, yeah, like if there's fucking sixty blokes in this room, you're like trying to be like, Oh yeah, I've come down from there. And he's like, it's-
0: Are you sure you want to do this?
1: Go on, mate, oh god, go on. Go it's on, it's
0: hard to describe to people what that initial day is like, in it when you go yeah. in you, the, the obviously they march you up to the foundation block. The first time they do is send you to get a fucking skin head and you're just sitting there like what the fuck am I doing here
1: oh, I'm going to prison mate innit? it I think like you you not that I've done that but like you, you're supposed to sit there and you think like what the fuck <laughs> I mean I'd say the only thing that went in my favor and I would urge anybody to do this if you can is because I've been down on the look at life courses for like five or six times beforehand and then the PMC, I kind of was used to going across the gate So when I got there, like because Exmouth, as general was quite familiar as well, that was the only thing that went in my favor. Is I got there and I was like, oh, this is all quite familiar. So I didn't feel as panicked, but it's just the fact I was late because I was late, I was fucking shitting out, I'm fucked already. Like (laughs) shut away. (laughs) (laughs) Forget, forget, I was like, forget being the gray man, that is me. I was like,
0: you are singled out. It's like you, you, you're a dickhead. (laughs) Um, yeah, man. You you will laugh, you will laugh at this. So when... when, obviously, got to the foundation, but you know you do that first night in the field, down in the bottom, mm. bottom field, where yes. you're Yeah. You gave me no, a American, mate, a rifle, and I was like, what the fuck's this? The fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, this is so naive of me. When I joined the Marines, mate, obviously, oh, you're, yeah, of you're, 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 you you're the complete it, opposite for me. You'd done all the build-up, you knew it was... I didn't <laughs> even know you wanted to be a soldier, mate. <laughs> like, in the fucking street. Like, Aye, I, was is... like, I was like what the fuck guess I thought it was all fitness stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you get there and they're like yeah, hey, I, I, I was, was massively wet behind deals so I was. And how did that training go for you mate? And where, oh, was, your mate, where was your first draft? Yeah.
1: It is grim man. I think so like <laughs> training for me I I as I said I went in with the mindset of like oh, I'm I've prepped for this I'm really fit. Nothing will prep you nothing will like there's absolutely i i don't care who you are what you've done prior like you'll 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 have examples of this mate definitely like crossfit athletes going down and, and after a couple of weeks they're like yeah i fuck this mm-hmm. um so like yeah it was shit and like, i'll be honest i'm gonna be really honest about this like when it comes to being a recruit i wasn't a good recruit. like i was pretty shit i just made a lot of mistakes um i think that's the reality of it really like i made a lot of mistakes and like i I got through you know i got through but i would say that i would be consistently the bloke who was just getting through um you know and and actually sometimes that's a good thing because if you're consistently struggling with something when it gets harder and you're still struggling the same as you were before you're just used to that idea um if that makes sense so i got injured at week 20 uh till my hip flexor went down to hunter company spent seven months in hunter so that was interesting bullshit um, then from there went down into back into a troop and then passed out from there. So yeah, it was all right. And then, what was your, motiva-
0: what was your motivation for the training, mate? I, th- I think for me, As mate, I mean, when 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 the, you know yourself and you're going through training, it's fuck some days or weeks are just fucking absolute torture, and you have to. De- de- what was your motivation to get you through the days and, and weeks? I, th-
1: I think you'll relate to this, mate. Like, um, I didn't know what else I was going to do. Like, I genuinely didn't know what else I was going to do. Like, I literally, yeah. like, the exact, like, me and you were on like, this. Like, I was like, well, if you don't pass this, like, not to yeah. be too horrible, like, I wasn't going to fucking top myself. But I think, like, I, I didn't know what else. Like, you know, when you're, like, like you said, man, I was seven, basically 16 when I first initially was sent away from home, you know, and the idea of, like, having spent two, three years basically to prep for that process um, to then go and, like, I I, I mean – I, I literally haven't lived with my parents since the age of 16 years old, like, and I've never gone back. And like, I, I genuinely, I genuinely didn't know what to do if I didn't pass out. I, I almost like convinced myself the idea that there was absolutely nothing else for me if I didn't get across that finish line. And like, I think, I think that was one big driving factor is that if you thought process of like, you cannot actually go home. You know, like like it was like, and my mum and dad like they they jokingly said it, but I think it kind of reiterated in my head. They were like, "If you don't pass out, don't fucking come back." Like and 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 like, not you know, they weren't serious, but like the reality is, it's like it helps. don't it. It helps when people say that. And there was a, a kind of idea of like burning the bridges. I think another thing, mate, and the reality is, is like a lot of people did say that you would I wouldn't do it. Um, and I think consistently my whole life, mate. Like, um, I'm currently prepping for an Ironman. Um, and and in September. So I've got like a basically my granddad's really well, my granddad was really Welsh. Um, he recently sort of passed away of cancer. And like um, you know, a big thing for me has always been I've always wanted to do things to prove people wrong. Whereas I think a big thing that I want to now sort of move into in my life is proving myself right. So instead of doing things that are proving others wrong, like I said, that was one big motivating factor, I think, to pass out the Marines is like one. I couldn't fucking go home. And two, it was like, you know, all the school teachers or all the people that in that period of me being dyslexic have said, like, you know, you're probably not going to make much yourself. It's kind of a big fuck you to them. But then now I I really am trying to move away from that because it's actually quite shit energy to work with. Um, it's just, it's just not great. Like, I want to move into more of like the self fulfilling process- prophecy and actually look at like doing things because I enjoy for myself. Um, I would say that was my motivating factor mate. I think that was one of the biggest things that like I really just to get across that line and you'll know yourself Sue, and anyone who's done it like you you have to go to places sometimes that like especially when it's like fucking four in the morning you're carrying like 100 pounds or whatever and it's fucking baby heads everywhere and you're falling over every two minutes and so someone's fucking shouting at you or like you know something's going wrong and you're trying <laughs> to read or like you're like what the fuck I think as well mate like do, do you find it shoe? like how you've been out Longer than me, or similar sort of time. ain't you like a while
0: 2018, now.
1: 2018, I left, so I did. a similar sort of like time, but like um, like a year. Do you find it like now, all of my career is a bit of a blur. Like and it, like you say, to. It's a bit weird to think that five years is a bit of a blur, but it
0: it kind of seems like a bit of a fucking dream, really. Do you know what I mean? Like that. Um, yeah. eight years, I was in for eight years, and it. I look back, and I'm going fucking hell. That went so quickly. I yeah, think yeah. You, men- you mentioned, like, when your stories, can the way I've written Pandu here, I mean, it's like listening to myself, but I think, if you asked, I, I think if you asked every guy, every recruit in the Marines the question asked you, they would probably all say the same, mate. They all had the same driver behind the motivation that oh, they, would, they, do. they wouldn't know what else to do, do you know what I mean? And it's yeah. a it's a, and what you else know, you were saying, obviously that negative energy, which is a very is you is a Quite very a powerful way. energy in it yeah. to mm. use that negative energy because that's what I used as well, mate. I, I used a lot of negative energy from my past to fucking get me through that training. But it's good that you're obviously moving away from that, mate, to go to understand I don't need to fucking prove anything to anymore. I've done my marines, I've now you you're a confidence coach, which we've got to Talk about and your help modes, i men. i it's, it's it's first class mate and what was the steps when you passed it, mate did you do any tours or did you see anything oh, you...
1: yeah, full disclosure like i've never i've never fucking brass anyone up i've never done any conflicts I'll what you know obviously you don't want to be a fucking walter mitty about shit like that but like um <laughs> i had a very interesting career so like um I won't go into the boring sides because basically I got arrested well, six months after passing out, was accused of something that was completely not right, but CCT evidence of what they were saying wasn't right. Um, spent seven months going through the court case process. I've talked about this really openly um on like other podcasts and stuff recently, just because it's nice to actually be honest about some of this stuff. And like basically that then put like a bit of a backdrop on my career. Um, but the first I'll tell you what, the first two years of my career were quite great in terms of even though I was going through that, I went to Norway straight away at the time I was thinking fucking hell I do not want to be here literally passed out passed out two weeks later was like I haven't done any mountain training hadn't done any, anything and the CSM at the time was like yeah you're with x-ray company yeah well obviously we're four five we're a mountain leading troop you'll be going out to Norway in a week I was like right and they were like yeah go down to stores pick up boom 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 I was like, what the fuck? I was like, oh, surely I won't go because I, I have no clue what I'm doing here. He was like, no, you'll be going, of course you will. You just, you, you, you just put, he was like, he was like his, his reason was like, you just passed out. Like, what do you need to know? And I was like, uh, <laughs> oh, fuck. The um, question so, I asked you,
0: did you join a yeah. trip? Did you do a joining run in Norway?
1: No, so I, I had Norway four months when I did that. Basically, mate, um, you all know yourself, Scotland is a bit of a fucking cowboy place, right? So basically, <laughs> Ten people got arrested before I joined um, for yeah. joining runs and like I think loads of shit that happened, someone grassed a load of people up. So like my joining run, to be honest, was quite tame. I just drank like a couple of dirty pints and fucking. Yeah, you
0: know, yeah, yeah, you're <laughs> lucky.
1: Yeah, I know. I think like genuinely, like I, I like, looking looking back at it, I was like, yeah, fair play. Like <laughs> Gen- loads of lads got arrested at four or five. So then what happened is that like they were like, yeah, we're not gonna risk having loads of other shit happen again, like especially just after that um so yeah just just literally i had like i'd like whatever just literally like they, they they call it like i can't remember what they call it it's like a shed um it's not like it's like the company bar that's what they call it don't they so obviously we went out to the company bar stood in a stall told a shit story and drank like a load of shitty pints and then fucking
0: so do, just, just just for the listeners are and running the royal marines is like your initiation to join yeah yeah So people people was it 4-5 commando you were based on? Yeah,
1: so I went I went straight to Scotland as soon as I passed out, went up to there, and then...
0: I quite, like, I had a um, lovely... Just why I say this, Abrof is the most depressing place in fucking Scotland. <laughs>
1: Well, mate, I, 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 I'll I be honest, Stu. I have a love-hate
0: relationship with
1: Scotland, yeah. right? And It's, it's, it's quite, because, mate, I'll be honest, when I look back at it, I had a fucking well good time. Like, two years. <laughs> do, you honestly, like, do you honestly mate, do? You? I, I think, right, you think I've come from, like, this fucking stringent, like, discipline structure in college, not really being, you know, paying to be there, not getting paid then you go into you know you go into fucking um training and you're obviously spending fucking a year and a half almost two years trying to focus on just passing out so it's very like discipline went up to scotland and the drinking culture is fucking nuts you know (laughs) go to norway spend four months in norway saved up probably i don't know probably like 10 grand or something right because you come back you just not spent any money and then straight away it was like right you know here's our bro here's fucking (laughs) What do they call it? It's not fucking ah, oh, there's like two clubs that are like these two shitty clubs. Honestly, um
0: they're diabolical. Aren't they?
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, ah, oh, fucking. I hope Becker or my mum aren't listening to this. Dave, but I will never listen to this podcast. I hope, but mate, <laughs> I just I just went through birds like mad.
0: Like, I just
1: I just you know, I spent like fucking so long that I just not had the opportunity to. And just anyone who anyone who's in Scotland with me will know exactly what I'm about. <laughs> but I, I just, I just went. I was just loose as a young kid, and I'll, I'll, I'll come back onto the point of why I know that's a negative thing. But yeah, I mean, I, I just say I had a lot of hate. It is a depressing as fuck place. Um, but, but it's just, it's kind of like the thing you know when something's shit,
0: but because it's yours, it's your shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of like
1: what that is Like,
0: and um, what, and, and uh, what was it? Obviously, what was the steps then? mate, to then your career then leaving the Marines. Why? Why did you leave? Because you were. Too long. going <laughs>
1: say, like um, Scotland, like Scotland was interesting. So I had like two years of like you know I, I did um, said did Norway. We went out and did um, what do you call it? At Lithuania, Estonia, Latvia, we went and did that, which was quite an interesting trip as well. Um, in terms of like with, with loads of different people actually, with American troops and fucking all that sort of stuff, which was interesting. Um, and then we had a lot of times where we just do a lot of mountain trainings, Ben Nevis, all that sort of stuff um and then kind of got to a point where as i say like because i'd had seven months go through this court case at the back end of those two years mm-hmm. um as soon as that finished it was then like right your two years as a gd grav so anyone doesn't know the way that the military works in the marines is you you have two-year opportunity where your general duties where they just let you be a soldier for two years and then you have to pick a career you know most people try to avoid it and you can in certain circumstances but like, eventually, if that comes to an end, and especially if you've gone through any form of, you know, court case or anything, you're going to get pinged. And basically, what that means is that you'll get told what you're going to go and do. Um, so I got pinged for drives, you know, it wouldn't be my first choice, it would have been any choice or whatever. But like, um, I also didn't really know what I wanted to do in my career, I just knew I wanted to pass out. So that was a big mistake. And again, we'll come back to that in terms of lack of purpose. But. Yeah, like kind of, you know, as I say, mould around Scotland for a bit, then got pinged and went drives, and then I actually went down and and, and was on uh, Albion, so um, like like down at, at Drake, um, down in Portsmouth, and that was a uh, that was interesting down in Plymouth. So that was like two years of like being on ship, and as I say, it was you know love hate relationship again because there's a big drinking culture, a lot of time in the gym, you, you are getting paid a fair bit of money compared to what you're doing. Your food's all free, your accommodation's paid for, but then again, you live in a fucking you live in a in a 30-man room, like um with 30 blokes, one TV, and fucking loads of lads that stink and a and, and a shelf that like, mate, my underbed lockers in my bed or my fucking like you know, you, you look at how much room you actually don't have when you live on ship. So it, it, long story short, mate, I I didn't really know what I wanted to do in my career once I got on ship. And then from there it was kind of like like, what am I gonna go and do? And um <laughs> again. Had a lot of issues that when we we went and did 22 countries in one year, so it was quite a long trip, right? So we had uh, well, it was expected to be a three-month trip to Cyprus, and then we'd come back, and then we'd you know go go into normal stuff, and then maybe go on other trips or whatever. And then we ended up doing 22 countries, which was a st- um, started off in Cyprus, went from Cyprus out to but like, Jib, from Jib to you know Japan, uh, Singapore, all these places, fucking. Like Vietnam, like all over the world, really. It's a long, long list of places I went to. When I did a man, went to the jungle, the desert, you know, everything within the space of a year that was really quickly done. Um, we had about seven days back in the UK. So LSA, mate, was through the roof. But um, anyway, long story short, I kind of got to the end of that period and thought, what am I actually doing with my career here? Because I don't want to be a driver for the rest of my life. You know, yeah, I don't mind living on ship, but at the end of the day, like, I don't want to live on ship for the rest of my life. And I just lost that direction. Um, I initially applied to try and go into the RAF as a PTI. Um, I'll be honest here. I failed the test to actually academically get in as a PTI. Um, you know, and, the, and, the, and basically, long story short, got arrested in Japan for drinking really heavily. Um, I say arrested. We just got into a bit of trouble. I won't go into, you know, too much of the details because I think there's probably stuff that's still ongoing from that, to be <laughs> honest, totally honest. Nothing to do with me to do yeah. with other people that were like mortars lads and you know just a bit mad but anyway long story short they then because of that my s that year then they said like look we don't want to recommend you to go into the RAF because we don't know currently what's going on with this um and like i was just quite troubled at, at that point i didn't really know wanted to do so long story short i kind of was like look i'll just leave you know i've done my five years done my minimum service plus a year whatever I'll leave and then I'll work out from there what I want to do. And it, it's a bit scary when you first initially decide like, look, this is the end of my career. You're a bit like, like you say, like most lads who've joined the military, especially the Marines, don't really know what else they were going to do. Um, so yeah, anyway, put put my notice into leave. At the time I had a girlfriend that was, um, you know, not, uh, not my girlfriend anymore, but at the time, like quite savvy in terms of property and, and that type of stuff. So luckily, you know, as I said, it, I've, I've been away for a year. So saved quite a bit of money, put down a deposit on this place, um, you know bought bought my first property and then moved in here um, so I'd kind of like the transition wasn't too bad in terms of like right you're living here now you've got somewhere else that you can go and live um, and then from there I started working at, 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 they used to call it um, is it a DW or whatever you call it they used to be no, called DW, gem, um, gem, DW gem. yeah yeah but it's, it's all closed down now obviously it's now Everlast um, the company got bought out when it was locked down but I started working in a DW mate that is probably 20 minutes from my house like is in where we live um and did that you, wasn't too bad. Do, did
0: you do your personal training course yes so so actually I suppose resettlement.
1: yeah so the resettlement when i did resettlement i had like you know they give you like four or five grand or whatever don't they in terms of not actual money but it's money to use on stuff um so i went and did like personal training courses did my nutrition courses did you know all that type of stuff when i first left and it was quite good because i know i you know as i said i, I was either going to leave the core apply for the RAF and go in as a PTI and try and pursue that. Um, in the end, I just, you know, lost love for the idea. And actually I thought to myself, you know, you're leaving one military force to go and join another, you know, if you're not happy in the military, do you really want to go and join another military or is it actually just, you, you're looking at the grass is greener. Um, yeah. And I, I think that kind of was what made the decision to then be like, you know, do your PT course anyway, because it's worthwhile and see what happens. Um, you know, a lot of lads do leave the military and th- think that's, a you know, a really good idea. And I think it is, like, it's definitely something that's, you, you know, gone in the right direction. So initially, as I say, I was in a gym. Um, then we had, obviously, the pandemic and we had all that madness and a lot of fucking stress that has to. And
0: this is where, well, obviously, our paths crossed, mate. So obviously, yes. the both used were Marines, but our paths actually crossed when we were personal trainers, believe it or not, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and our mentorship programme. So just speak give me about, about that, mate, about becoming a personal yeah. trainer and how you felt round about that time in the pandemic, yeah. your steps so to getting in that programme. I
1: won't, like, talk about numbers and stuff, but, like, I was, when I first was in the gym, like, I was, fuck it, let, you know what, let's just be honest. Right, so I was we'll in the gym. Go, I, yeah, go on, we'll go for it, issue. So I basically built that business when I was a personal trainer up to about £5,000 a month. Um, I was running you know, like classes that were paid for that were, were just mine. Um, mm-hmm. On top of that, I had like 35, 40-odd clients. And I was doing quite well in that gym. You know, I, wasn't, I wasn't doing too badly. I didn't mind the people I worked for. They weren't you know, as great, especially when the pandemic happened. But at the time, it, it, it was okay. You know, it wasn't too bad. Pandemic happened, closed that down, stripped away that business completely. You know, you've built this business over half a year, seven months. um, And suddenly you've got fucking nothing. And you're like, shit, what do I do now? Um, I really, really scrabbled about to know what to do. You know, everyone wants to build an online coaching process, but no one really, unless you actually understand what you're doing, Mm -hmm. understands the steps to actually not just deliver a good service, but also actually get clients online results. Um, So at the time, mate, I basically delivered all my PT sessions as much as I could over zoom. I did what I could, you know, I did anything in terms of literally just to make that business keep going. Um, I didn't pay myself for literally the entire pandemic, like didn't pay myself a penny. Oh. I just lived the um, just to make that happen. Really froze my mortgage you know, did anything I could possibly to keep that business alive yeah. at that point, then built enough, uh, enough of a fund, basically, then to be in a position to um, invest in Phil, which is obviously one of our joint mentors that we both had um, yeah. joined a network, you know, went into that process, and I was just ready to work. Um, it's obviously a little bit terrifying, that mentorship, isn't it? And like, you know, <laughs> I've, I've been I'm not part of other mentorships, and actually some of the success coaches and one of those. And yeah. I think there's different approaches to what you can do, really. But anyway, long story short, Um, then started to build an online business and and, and start to actually like utilize, you know, the the actual understanding of how to run that business properly um, with with obviously the guidance of those. And alongside that, then also went and joined Dan Hancock's course, which, you know, I know you you were part of as well, which has been fantastic in terms of the mental health side. Um, And then that transitioned very heavily more into me really realizing what I actually want to do. I think personal training is fantastic. It's a great thing for people to go and do. And I'm not slating it at all. However, I would say that very often the clientele that we deal with, it's not necessarily they need someone to count their reps and fucking tell them what to do. They need somebody to actually utilize all the other areas of their life. You know, if you're sleeping like shit, it doesn't matter how many fucking burpees you do. You're not going to make yourself feel any better. If you eat shit all the time and you're not actually understanding what to do, if you have no support network, you have no clear direction or planning or routines or organizational structure, you can do as many hard work as you want. It's not going to fucking solve the issue. All it's going to do is cause you more long-term issues, to be totally honest. Um, so I think for me, that was what really opened my eyes into what results I could actually get with guys. Um, and that kind of the, the steps that we all go through when you first sort of, you know, like a little baby walk, learning to walk is then sort of brought us, I suppose, to here really um there's a few more points i suppose i probably should go into and and
0: why why did you choose just guys mate what was your thought process behind which, which, which your coaching group's called the warriors isn't it yeah so the warriors
1: the warriors mentorship is now what we run um so there's a few sort of like side points to it but the main like flagship program we run is the warriors mentorship um and the whole point of it now is to really solidly focus on all areas so body you know in terms of like the physical ability setting guys the challenges what they want to do um we've actually got a coach specifically my partner becca so she's a personal trainer and coach as well does all the program writing, does there's all the delivery of that and that's their coach that they deal with um and then when it comes to the education side you know we've got full education put to yourself for sure you know we run the similar systems and we've got like tons of coaches that have delivered you know you're in there as well like really awesome stories um mm-hmm. you know t- really good education in terms of like physical mentally emotionally therapists everything we want to run as well as like live education calls um you know like last night we had a really good one mate which was from a financial advisor talking about um how to get a better rate on your mortgage because obviously that's a massive thing a lot of lads are dealing with um increasing your credit score and those sort of fundamental processes as well as obviously like our meetups and i know you you run the ones where you do the ice baths which are fucking brilliant <laughs> yeah. um but like. Yeah, they're, they're epic. And like the main focus for me is to help every single one of guys massively improve their body, mentally, you know, emotionally, like all of those sides improve, but also then their career and their life development. And I think for me, that that can't necessarily be done by one 15 pound, you know, fucking PT session. It's the whole compass of everything we do. I think the main focus for me, mate, the reason why it's men is when I was a young guy very lost, very insecure, very underconfident, not really sure what he wanted to do. And like the steps that I've kind of gone through from the mentoring, from Di Phillips, from the mentoring, from my own mentors and the coach that I work with now, from, you know, guys that I've looked up to from, you know, times when I've done, like you said, prepping for the, you know, commando course, going and passing that physical event, um, you know, done ultramarathon since then, deadlifted 200 kilos now in the process of my own Ironman have all come from other support networks that have helped me. And I then help the other guys that then want to go on their own journey and sort of re-impart that knowledge. Um, and I think the reason why men is because particularly I am a bloke and I can't necessarily relate to men, uh, so so female problems as much. And I also, and this is, this is something someone asked me the other day, I can't relate to transgender people's problems as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying I wouldn't take a transgender person on, but what I'm saying is that if I can't relate to their problems, that means that I can't actually give them advice about how to solve them, you know, and actually that's doing them a disjustice. And for me personally, anyway, I only want to coach people who are men with low self-confidence because that was me. Um, and that's my personal, you know, reason why I suppose it is there. And I'm not saying that then men can't coach women, you know, they can, um, but there's certain things that I felt like I I, I just personally couldn't, if that yep. makes any sense. Um so, yeah, I suppose that's kind of why that's the focus If that if that's question. Well, I'm on
0: that spot on, mate, and it, it leads quite well into why do you think men are struggling so much today with mental health and all the issues that we see. Obviously, you're highly and amongst it with what you do, and it's something yeah. I spoke to over my last three podcasts because it's been all men and the yeah. issues they had in the past. I just want to see what your take is on it. I think a ton of
1: things. So clarity being one of the biggest ones. I think currently in the situation that we're going on with the whole planet, right, is men aren't really sure what they can and can't do. And what I mean by that is like I'm not ever gonna tell blokes to go and fucking fight and scrap and drink a ton of beers because that's just stupid, right? But (laughs) you still need to be a bloke, right? And what I mean by that is like masculine traits and masculine energy is not it's not a fucking negative, it is just a thing. Like, you know. You know, going and fucking picking up an axe and chopping down trees and being a lumberjack and fucking climbing and and running and doing these things like they are things that intrinsically are built, literally built into your subconscious from prehistoric times. Like as a bloke, you would be the person who goes and fucking kills the saber tooth tiger that brings it back, that skins the, you know, this stuff. You just would be that bloke you know, it's inherently built into you. So when society then turns around and goes, no, Stu, you can't do that. You lose all fucking clarity of what you can and can't do. And I think that's one of the biggest things is when you can ge- give lads clear, focused direction about exactly what it is they need to be doing to help themselves feel better, not just as a bloke, but as a person, you know, right. The reason we're going to the gym isn't because we want to look like a fucking fitness model because I hate the idea of that. The reason we're going to the gym is to express emotion, it's to express that inner feeling to be able to understand what you are physically, emotionally, mentally capable of and move that direction forward. Another thing, mate, I think is that, like, you have to have fucking tests as blokes nowadays. Like, it's not that you shouldn't have no resistance because no resistance is actually really fucking futile. If you, if something's really ridiculously easy, it's boring as fuck. And what I mean by that is, like, if you go into a job role and it's piss you walk in you do a little bit of work you kind of mull around and then you go home and that's it you sit on the sofa and you eat a fucking set of crisps and then do fuck all after a while there will be a period of time where you start to fucking hate the idea of that's your existence you need challenge and a lot of lads don't that's the biggest problem is they're scared to put themselves out there for challenges so i'm quite direct with this and like um a lot of people have said this to me, but I'll get on sales calls, lads, or I'll, with guys, or I'll get on processes with guys, or I'll get on catch up calls, or any of this stuff, or application calls, or whatever. Right. And sometimes I'll just say, book that now because we'll start to prep for it and we'll get you ready by then. That might be the first tough mother. That might be the first mental event. That might be the first fucking job role promotion. You know, things that they need to go for need to be challenged. And I think that's one of the biggest things that actually stop guys mentally wanting to improve because there isn't you know you you don't really know what you're allowed to and aren't allowed to do because you're told that as a bloke you can't you're also then not really challenged so you're bored as fuck right and you're sat there thinking is this all i've got to live for and the other side of that mate is also lack of understanding like the amount of guys i speak to Stu, and you probably have this as well that drink a coffee at nine o'clock at night and they're not sure why they can they're not fucking sleep properly or that they drink a coffee at nine o'clock at night, wake up the next day, absolutely foggy as hell, fucked out their mind, not really sure what to do. Then they drink a coffee in the morning. Then they're dehydrated to fuck. They eat like shit. They never train. They have all this stress going on and physically, mentally, emotionally aren't where they want to be. And then that goes on for another year, another year, another year, another another, another year. And before you know it, five years down the line, they feel fucking absolute crap and they don't want to be here anymore. But the reality is, is because they don't really understand why that's going on. Having worked now with, like you say, hundreds of blokes, I would say those are the three key things that in current 2023 society or what I feel are the biggest things that are causing these statistics to be so high. You don't know what as a bloke you can and can't do, and the expressions that you want to put out, you're not sure where to channel that. So that's one big thing. They aren't challenged enough in the right you know, percentage. You know, Too much challenge you, you, it's too difficult and you won't do it, but enough challenge that's understandably and has got purpose to it is great. And the other side of that as well is not really understanding what you know what you need to change to actually improve. Um, I think that would be as a summary for what currently is causing these problems. Makes sense. But I think I think
0: that makes sense. Does that make sense? Well, it, it makes no <laughs> sense, mate. I think you went really into detail there. And something yeah. I asked on the podcast that was just on, me about things like you've probably heard of it, the red pill movement, who are teaching guys about women are bad and gender rules and and just go with your part. What do you think of that, mate? What's your take on that movement? So one thing that's always going to happen, right, is you will always want people
1: to seek out a purpose or a process or something, right? So intrinsically as men, we're tribal, right? We want to be around a group of people that have a common goal. Now, the issue is marketers and salesmen are very, very good at pushing those buttons to be able to then get you into that tribe you know uh, i can say this and i don't think you'll take offense to this but like um football hooligans or groups of people who are in um, a tribal environment as blokes right will very often do something that they think is negative because the tribe are doing it and i think that what happens when it comes to like red or blue pill processes is that they market this process as a challenge for guys to be able to do right i think some of it 30% of the idea is good 70% of it's bollocks i think when you're coming up with this sort of terrorist almost process of like let's go against women and fuck this and fuck all you know that it's like well no that's no benefit to anybody is it mate like you know and it it shouldn't have to be like that like you're and also the problem being is a lot of these guys their different their definition of what is a bloke is a lad who's fucking shredded or a guy who's driving a fucking Bugatti. Mm-hmm. And the reality of it is like, well, a Bugatti mate is absolutely no way in shape or form the credit to who you are as a bloke. It's mm-hmm. the bloke who built the Bugatti I want to meet. I don't want to fucking meet you. Um, so the reality <laughs> of it is like, I would say for me, 30% of the ideology does make sense. Uh, but the problem being is that that 30% is what needs to be the hundred percent of the idea. The other 70% is complete bullshit and actually just a big market employee to get more men to join it. Um, and I mean, mate, like, I'll be really real with you. Here. This is something I've talked about with my therapist. The military itself is a bit of a red and blue pill process. And what I mean by that is like, you know, for guys who are lo- like, lacking purpose, lacking structure, lacking understanding of where they want their life to go, it's very easy to join the military and have that clear direction. And it's good because it puts you on a path, but sometimes that can also be a negative because then if that is the only thing that you've got, that then falls, you know, as an external thing that's push pursuing you instead of the internal. You know, the reason why they bring James Bond as a Green Beret or Daniel Craig's got is, uh, you know, an honorary Green Beret is it's so as glamorous, mm-hmm. and I think that's sometimes what people need to really, you know, look at is like any of this stuff, the ideology of anything has that information that you've been shown. And has it affected your decisions on something because of you or has it affected your uh, decisions on something because you've been sent a billion, you know, the marketing budget on some of these places and, you know, mad money. Um, has it been something that you've almost been indoctrinated into? And you've got to kind of look at that and be like, you know, making decisions for yourself. It's sometimes quite difficult to do because you are getting spammed with, you know, the amount of marketing that people put into this stuff. But um, yeah, that's a bit of a politician's answer, Stu, but I hope that makes sense.
0: Um, that in terms makes sense of- and it's something that you've mentioned there, and I've mentioned before in previous podcasts, is Andrew Tate, who's obviously yeah, yeah. the flagship for men to get on the purpose. But I think he's so far into that red pill stuff as well, like mm-hmm. women. And I think that's what's causing a divide in society, and where most guys' yeah. problems are coming from is nobody's just telling them to own their shit and deal with their emotions and get yeah. better with women. Because yeah. at the end of the day, when I struggled with women in the past, mate, it's because of my insecurities, because I was an emotional wreck. And then women can yeah. fucking sense that. Am I off of a guy? And if you don't sort that shit out, you're never going to... It doesn't matter what you do with your life, you're never going to be fucking... be able to deal yeah. with women. 100%. I think like
1: the biggest thing that, you know, Andrew takes some of the some of the ideologies he puts out are they do make sense, right? They do Like hard work, fucking get yourself into some form of condition that actually is positive for you. Um, you know, good routine, good structures and be willing to put the graft in. I understand that. The other ideologies are complete bollocks, right? When he comes up with stuff, when he's like, you know, you've got to drive this, and you know, f- fucking, if you can have like 10 girlfriends, bro, and it's like, no, mate, like, you're talking shit. I, I like, just you want
0: to there, mate, and I think this is the fucking unrealistic part where men go, that's where they'll base their happiness on so fucking 10 women and a Ferrari or a fucking Lamborghini. And that is completely away at the spectrum for fucking 99% of men. And this it's is not even.
1: It's not even that it's out of the spectrum. It probably wouldn't make you fucking happy. like, like, Mate, we both know. We both know loads of blokes, right? That I'm sure drive a fucking super nice car. You know, all this shit. They fucking, you know, they they flash a bit of money around in a club and they've got a load of birds around them that are, you know, whatever, right? But they're probably actually quite internally miserable. Mm
0: -hmm. You know, it's
1: externally positive, externally happy. Not positive, but appeared to be happy with all this dopamine going off. But then if you said to them, mate, sit in a room on your own for two hours, don't speak to anyone else, don't sit on your phone just with a notepad and pen, they fucking cry their eyes out by the end of it, probably, um, mm. because it's like that internal thought. So like, I, I listened to a great thing the other day is like, if there's no one else on the planet, you know, what would you live? Where would you live? What would you buy? Would you live somewhere that was small and actually able to take care of or you know, with a little bit of patch of greenery that you could take, you know, take on. Or would you live in this massive fucking huge house with, you know, all these sports cars and all this stuff? It's like, well, no, you wouldn't. You'd probably just live in somewhere that's efficient. And I think we forget that sometimes. Like, you know, like we said, that saber-tooth tiger mentality, like we were built in those days. You know, we weren't on about fucking, like, I, I'm not saying, right, I've got a nice watch. I've got a few nice things, right, that make me happy because I like them, okay? And it's nothing to do with like, The external gratitude from others i think if you base you can buy whatever you want if you're a car guy and you fucking love cars go buy a nice car you know if if you're that guy who like loves that stuff and you get genuine enjoyment from it great but if you're people that base your happiness on when you get this thing you'll be happy you're going to be sorely disappointed because the reality of that situation and we both know this i'm sure i thought that passing out of the marines would solve 99.9% 99.9% of my problems you are fucking, yeah.
0: Yeah. You're like fucking right. Made me yeah. Yeah, Honestly It seems like As if I'm having a conversation With myself mate And it fucking didn't Stu Did it? it, no, it, didn't. it didn't. <laughs> like you're like
1: Yeah getting a green lid mate That's it That'll make me the happiest person In the world You know I fucking I really, Oh yeah that, that one that I hit And then I relate to that I
0: relate to that 100% mate
1: and then even like you know like um you know i know i kind of know a bit about like what you've done even like money mate like a lot of people think that like everyone seems to put this number of like 10 grand a month like oh 10k months man like that's gonna make you happy dude and it's like <laughs> I, I don't know how to say this without sounding really weird because like probably I, I think if you don't know our businesses some people might not know but like if you make 10 grand a month it doesn't make you happy trust me like it makes you more worried like because you start <laughs> having, well, like got yeah yeah i've got to pay a fucking I, I, can i make that again can i do this so i've got all these clients so now i've got this like so i think sometimes like what people are basing happiness on is like the amount of money the amount of this like mate my happiness now is literally just can i train at some point during the day yes can i have a coffee and a walk at some point right and can i see becca perfect alongside that a few other things can i spend time with my mom and dad at least once a week which at the moment's been quite good um and am I in a, not necessarily a stable position, but have I got some form of security? So what I mean by that is like, I'm not going to get a bailiff knock at my door next week or, you know, any of that stuff. That's all I care about. Like the the rest of it is just logistics that manage that. You know, if you're making, I don't know, whatever amount of money a month, it doesn't really matter as long as you are actually internally happy. And that's not to say that you shouldn't strive to, you know, make a lot of money. Like, you know, I, I, I want my company to go at some point in the next 22 years to seven figures i want to make a million a year but the reality of it is is like it's not necessarily that it's the million a year that's the important part it's the fact that if you aim for that i'm still going to be in business in 22 years then because if i've aimed for that level then i know that the levels that we will reach along that side will keep us going and actually i care a lot more about being in business for 22 years than i do about the numbers you know definitely mate um but I think that's what you should aim for is contentness, not necessarily, like you said, this red and blue pill madness of like, you know, you've got to drive a baguette to be like, most of those lads are very fucking insecure, like really insecure. And, and you look at it with a lot of footballers, mate, like a lot of footballers who are driving all these cars and, you know, the ones that are really flashy, it's like actually they're the ones that are dealing with the worst problems internally.
0: Um, I hope, well, I haven't just rabbited on there, I hope not, but I hope that makes sense you, but yeah. No, that's, I uh, love oh, that, mate. I just want to touch on but, your, talking about your goals and your vision for your company I know you've worked alongside Ollie yeah 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 so I was um was it like working alongside him mate and what opportunities has that gave you for your business
1: I think one thing I've always wanted to do mate and like um you know it's very much like how we've approached each other and like a lot of the other guys in other mentorships I've been part of is like networking for me is one of the most important things like you have to be completely every every opportunity put your ego to one side like every opportunity no matter how good you think you are no matter how many followers you got like no matter how what you are if someone messages you, you that's got 200 followers someone messages you got 400 thousand followers half a million you know 10 million like always take the same things with the opportunity of like what you can do for them and like one big thing for me has always been about that like you know try to network as much as you can like joint ventures in business especially in the military are very much always things that you want to do. You know, someone runs a store, someone runs the um, the, the main assault, someone runs this, someone does all their parts. And um, anyway, long story short, I've always been willing to like network and just introduce myself to people. So it's created a lot of opportunities in terms of like battery fuel when I first left the military, I, I, I sort of messaged those guys and just did as much work for free as I possibly could, um, which has been really, really good. Um, and then, yeah, I got the opportunity. so I've gone on like five or six of the breakpoint events now. I think there's probably more that we'll, we'll bring on for the rest of the year or any opportunities that I get to go on those are really good really. Um it's been nice it's good mate like you you connect with a lot of different lads and there's there's a lot of guys there who are like you know full- on XSF and you know fucking SBS lads or SES lads or SFCs or anything like that. and I tell you what I just sit and absorb. That's all I do whenever I'm there. I just sit and listen to stories and you know some of these guys are fucking like snipers I'm sure you you can you can spot you know not to be too graphic but there's a lot of stories some of them lads say and you know colonels majors you know all these lads that come down and that's what I just love mate is just absorbing information and uh, you know I'm like you know I'm still under 30 really which I find a bit mad actually at this point I feel like I'm about 45 but like um you know I think that's what the greatest thing is just absorbing information from other lads and listening to some of the stories and like you know all he's gone through a lot of different times and struggles in his own business and you know he's he's talked about it on podcasts and you know, there's lots of stuff that he's done that really pushed pushing him forward, and uh, that's been really good. I tell you another thing. So now I, I work as, um, you know, one of the concierges in terms of, for, uh, as a client success coach, basically inside Ollie Carson's business. And you know what that man's been able to do. There's so many Ollies, mate. It's mad, isn't it? Um, <laughs> what that man's do is them um, really awesome. You know, in terms of working with fit pros and 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 helping them sort of supercharge their businesses. And I, I attribute a lot of my success in business to that, to be honest. Um, which has been really good. And I think just the ability to absorb information from others that have done interesting things is always something that you should pursue, you know, whether that's like absorbing other people's content, absorbing others, you know, they've got interesting stories, you know, now that I'm in um, the process of prepping for an Ironman, I'm watching every other fucker who's got information about Ironmans, you know, out there, like Joe Skipper, someone I'm really into at the minute um, who won Ironman Wales last year. And, you know, I think that's something you should always want to do. Like if you want to be like somebody consume as much of their content, get around proximity to them as much as you possibly can. Um, yeah, I'd say that's a big thing, really. Uh, definitely. But yeah, I hope that makes any sense. I hope that was a good I answer. makes total sense.
0: Yeah. And I, I relate to that as well. It was one of my reasons for joining, uh, Joining, starting this podcast, mate, was networking with people. And yeah. it's got me yeah. right outside my comfort zone with, obviously, direct messaging people who I don't know, asking them if they would be coming up yeah, for a component. On. So... A massive relate to that, mate. We we network, and I think for anyone out there, connect with as many people, like-minded people, as you can. And the yeah. people I work with every day, mate, is just general pop who want to lose weight, get fit, get confident. If you win that 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 statement, you've worked with them myself is, is join things like gyms and boot camps and network with like-minded, because it opens doors, mate. How many doors does things open for you when you network with people? I think like communities as well, like I've got loads of guys that like connect with each other outside of our
1: groups. And I know you, your clients would do the same. And like, it just enables you to like, if you want to be like somebody, you know, you're trying to get out of your own shoes. So if you're currently in, in bad routines, bad structures, you're not eating properly. You are that person. Like that's who you are. Whereas like, and normally the reason for that a big thing is you don't have any other way of thinking around you. Whereas when you can get around other people, whether that's on Zoom, whether that's in WhatsApp, whether that's in in-person meetups, you know, your ice dips, the penny fan stuff, what we do, like any of that stuff, like getting around these blokes, you know, the conversations you have, the kind of like mind that you then start to build is like a big thing. A lot of your guys will say probably is that I see someone else doing something, so I know that I can do it myself as well because my situations are the same. Um, it changes, it changes your headspace, really. Like, who you're around, who you connect with, what you consume is what you eventually become. Um, so I think that's definitely, definitely a really good piece of advice, Stu. Like, if you want to change who you are, connect with other people that you want to be like. Um, you know, it definitely, definitely is a good point.
0: Yeah. And that leads into you, one of my final questions, mate, is anyone out there who is ready to make change in their life at the moment, mate, what one piece or any piece of advice would you give them?
1: The first piece of advice, in fact, actually, I I will, this is one singular piece of advice, but I'll kind of like reiterate on it. I'll, I'll give a bit more of a point. Give yourself 12 months and write down exactly at the end of that 12 months who and what you want to be. And what I mean by that is like really go into detail, like really go into detail. And it has to be something that, you know, I'll talk quite candidly here as if it's just talking to blokes. Make it something that makes your fucking cockhard. And what I mean by that, right, and that's quite aggressive. But what I mean by that is make it something you actually give a shit about. So, you know, make it the exactly where you want your body to be, like whether that's physically, whether that's the way that you look, whether that's what you're capable of doing, right? When it comes to your mind, like really can look at what you want to perform from a mental standpoint, what you want to push yourself, where you want to have gone with that. When it comes to like your career development, like how much money would you make? What strings would you have? How much revenue streams would you have from different income levels? What would you have built? How would you get in your promotion ladder? Like really write down in 12 months what's going to happen with that point, right? And reverse engineer the process of how you're going to get there who do you need to connect with? Who do you need to pay and hire to actually help you make sure you're going to make that happen? What information do you need to gather to make sure that that is going to be actually something that happens, not just a fucking dream on top of that? Like, you know, what, what support networks do you need? What accountability do you need? Like what processes do you need to go in that? And um, today action that now, because like, like I, I posted a video, I've, I've pinned it at on my thing, 12 months from now, you you I guarantee you will be twelve months older and statistically pretty much more likely two to three percent closer to your death. Like that's pretty much likely. When you look at like most people, eighty years is what you've got, right? Eighty years on this planet. Now, the big thing about each individual year is each individual year massively leads into the next one. So the the reason why I say 12 months is because in 12 months, you have enough time to then put the next 10 years on a massive trajectory. So if you get a job promotion, you lose a certain amount of weight, you aggressively implement certain things that we teach our guys or know you teach your guys. Over the next 10 years, you will start to build upon that even more. Like, and I think that's one of the biggest things that lads don't really think about is like, you massively misunderestimate what you could start to achieve in a year, which will massively scar up at the next 10 years. You know, you don't just run an Ironman because you've run your 1st five 4K last week. You know, you, you will have done multiple other runs before that has ever happened. So best piece of advice I would give is write down where you want to be in a year and reverse engineer what you need to do, who you need to hire what information you need to gather what processes you need to put in place to actually make that happen because the first year will then change the next 20 30 40 years of your life uh, and and a big thing and I'm quite blunt about this and I'm sure you'll agree with me because we're both in the military like um I think when you realize you are going to fucking die like that is absolutely no choice you are going to die you've got no choice in this a lot of things start to become a lot more fucking streamlined to happen but also a lot of things also don't matter as much um, because the reality is, is like when you realise that fact, you're going to fucking take action to do certain things. Um, so I'd say like kind of, that's a bit of a few pieces of advice, but the first one definitely is like work out where you're going and just fucking go. You know, it's yeah.
0: exciting when you think about it really. Um, absolutely. Yeah, I hope that makes, <laughs> well, it makes total sense and it's absolutely golden advice for any of the listeners. So just to finish up, mate, where can... My viewers, my listeners, find you on social media, et cetera. So, a couple
1: of places. The easiest one is Instagram, as normal for most people at the moment. So, it's Alex Gribben Mentoring. Um, but I also have a Facebook group and a Facebook page. So, Facebook page is Alex Gribben Mentoring as well. Um, if you just put into Facebook Alex Gribben, um, I'm on there. I actually have, and I'm, I'm sure, I hope you don't mind me plugging this a little bit, Stu. Okay. Um, but I actually have a free confidence Kickstarter group, which has got like a ton of trainings, actually, a couple of trainings from Molly Olatin in there. Um, if any of you listeners want it, just drop me a message on Instagram or Facebook and I'll at least just buy you at cost for free. Um, it's what we call the Kickstarter to then potentially prepare you to join the the mentorship. Um, but obviously, like you know, I'm sure yourself as well, Stu, like even if you just want to have a chat, I'm not gonna just force you to pay me money. That's not how this works. <laughs> we both know that. Um yeah, mate, mate, I just want to say thanks to you. Like this has been really good. This has actually been my first podcast of the year. I've been able to slack on them this year. So um it's been awesome. And it's I always get so much from these because you know, listening to your stories or just generally getting stuff out is always really great. So thanks so much, mate. It's been awesome.
0: Really, honestly, mate, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Thanks very much. And hopefully we can do another one very soon, mate. Cheers, my man. Cheers, dude.